Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. If you have been paying any attention to the news in the past six to nine months, you are probably aware that there have been an astonishing amount of stories related to the treatment of women and girls, the mistreatment, really, of women and girls. It's shocking, and it's sad. It seems that just about the time that culture seems to move into a phase of sophistication and enlightenment, we hear stories about women or children or minorities or different people groups that are treated as less than. And it's shocking and disappointing, and it helps us to know that as a culture, we're really not that sophisticated or enlightened. We're just not. I want to address this today, not just because it's a hot topic in culture, which it is. I want to address this because I think it's important for followers of God to have a biblical worldview when it comes to these kinds of things. The Bible has some very affirming things to say particularly to women. And so I want to think through this today. We're in week three of a series called God, A Moral Monster. And what we've been doing with this series is we have been looking at some troubling Old Testament passages of Scripture that paint Yahweh. And remember that Yahweh is the Old Testament name of God, his primary name we find there. And so we have been using that name to refer to God as we look at these different Old Testament passages. So we've been looking at these troubling passages that sometimes paint God to be angry or unkind or unloving. And in their context and culture, we're trying to seek and discover what do these passages actually mean. Today I want to look at an Old Testament passage that some have looked at and painted Yahweh as sexist. I believe what we'll discover as we move through our time is that Yahweh is not sexist. He is affirming. Yahweh, not sexist. He's affirming. Here's how I want to walk through our time together. I want to share a big idea that will frame the conversation. And then I want to talk about God's ideal. And what does that even mean? Because God did establish from the very beginning his ideal. And that's important for us to understand. So big idea to frame the conversation. Then we'll talk about God's ideal. After that, I want to share a bad story. See, sin entered the equation. And what we find historically recorded for us in Scripture, Scripture doesn't hide these stories from us. It gives us a lot of bad stories as a result of sin, and they are there for our learning. And so we're going to look at a bad story. And I will say this story is probably rated PG-13, and I share that with those of you who may have a small child in the room, just so you're aware of what's coming. So big idea, God's ideal, a bad story. From that story, we will pull some observations, and then I'll have some takeaways. All right, big idea, God's ideal, a bad story, observations from that story, and then some takeaways. Let's begin with our big idea for today, and I would encourage you to take out your talk notes and fill in some of these blanks. 
Here we go. Your best spiritual year involves treating all people with respect, understanding that they are made in God's image. And we're going to think through this today. Your best spiritual year involves treating all people with respect, understanding that they are made in God's image. All right, big idea is out of the way. Let's think through God's ideal. And what I mean by that is, what does God say about women from the very start? What's the first thing in Scripture that we find speaking to women? And it is great. So if you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Genesis chapter 1. Genesis is the first book of the Old Testament We're going to be in chapter 1, which is the first chapter. And what we find here is God's creative work is on full display. He is inventing and creating and putting everything together. And here's what Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says. And this speaks to God's ideal. All right, this is what God intended. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image. And I would encourage you to underline or circle that word image. We're going to come back to that and see it a few more times. So God said, let us make human beings. That's us. Let's make them in our image to be like us. And here's what they will do. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. I love that phrase, scurry. It means to make a linear motion virtually of any kind in the water or on land. So you get the idea of, you know, animals scurrying along, doing their thing. It's great. Verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. There it is again. And here it comes one more time. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then it says this, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry, there's that word again, that scurry along the ground. So this word image, it's a Hebrew word that we find three different times in these two verses. That word means likeness or to be patterned after something or to be modeled after something. So likeness or to be patterned after or to be modeled after something. Now let's take that back to verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image, in his likeness. God created humans. He created us to be patterned after him, to be modeled after him. In the image of God, he created them. In the likeness of God, in the pattern of God, in the model of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So uniquely, right away, in the creation account, we find God saying a few things about women. First of all, he says that women are made in the image of God himself. They are modeled after him. They are patterned after him. Great news. God also blessed them, says that right in the text. 
And then their very first job is they were to reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, and all the things scurrying around. They were to have reigning ability over them. So right away, in God's creative order, we find him saying about humans, and we're thinking in particular about women today, that they are made in the likeness of God. God blessed them and gave them a job. He asked them to reign. So the very first thing that God says about women in the Bible is fantastic. It's affirming. Women are image bearers of God. Ladies, let me talk to you for just a moment. Maybe you've never heard that before. Or maybe there have been a lot of other inappropriate things said to you and about you. And no doubt in a room this size, many of you have been the victims of sexism and terrible things have happened to you. But you're here. I want you to know that you are made in the image of God. You are modeled after him. You're patterned after him. And no matter what's happened to you or what your life has been like to this point, just know, just understand today that God sees you and you are patterned after him. You are made in his likeness. That's good news. Unfortunately, what you find when you turn these opening chapters of Genesis and you begin to discover what happens here, sin enters into the story. And even though men and women were made in the image and in the likeness of God, they still had a choice to make. Are we going to be obedient to God or not? Are we really going to follow after what he desires for us? And if you read in Genesis chapter 3, we find that humans chose to walk away from God. They chose to sin, and God's ideal is broken. God's ideal is broken because of sin. And this is where the bad stories enter. But I think it's important to remember, this is not God's ideal. It's not what he initially created or what he initially wanted. But humans had a choice and they chose to walk away from God and sin entered. And now we get all kinds of bad stories. So I want to look at one of these bad stories that many people use to paint Yahweh as being sexist. If you stay in the same book, Genesis... And fast forward to chapter 19, I want to give you a little background before we read. The world's a mess, and people are walking away from God. world's in a lot of trouble, sin has entered, and there is just bad story after bad story. What we find here is that God comes to Abraham. Abraham is one of the central figures in Israel's history. And God comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, there are two cities in particular. The wickedness is so great. It is so great that my patience with them has run its course and I'm going to destroy these two cities, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And what we find in Genesis is really fascinating. Abraham begins to negotiate with God a little bit. They have a conversation. And Abraham had a nephew living in one of these cities that he didn't want to see killed. And so he talks to God about, if we find a few righteous people in these cities, perhaps they can be 
restored and perhaps they can be saved. And so Abraham has this negotiating time with God. God agrees that he'll send some angels in order to find out if there are some righteous people living in these cities and if they indeed can be saved. And that's where we pick up our bad story in Genesis chapter 19. Here it is. That evening, the two angels, this is who God sent. That evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom. Lot, this is Abraham's nephew. Lot was sitting there and when he saw them, he stood up to meet them. Then he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. I believe he recognized these individuals are from God. They're not normal. My lords, he said, come to my home to wash your feet and be my guests for the night. You may then get up early in the morning and be on your way again. Oh no, they replied. We'll just spend the night out here in the city square. But Lot insisted. So at last they went home with him. Lot prepared a feast for them, complete with fresh bread, made without yeast, and they ate. But before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. They shouted to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. So Lot stepped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. Please, my brothers, he begged. Don't do such a wicked thing. Look, I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do with them as you wish. But please leave these men alone, for they are my guests and are under my protection. Stand back, they shouted. This fellow came to town as an outsider, and now he's acting like our judge will treat you far worse than those other men. And they lunged toward Lot to break down the door. But the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house, and bolted the door. Then they blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house. So they gave up trying to get inside. A very disturbing story. One that makes you wonder, what is happening here? And this is certainly an unthinkable act as a father. To say that there's individuals in my house, some men here, and no, you can't gang rape them, but let me give you my daughters instead. They haven't been touched before. The men can't be touched, but here, have them, and do what you wish. Just an unthinkable act by a father. We don't even have a box to put this kind of stuff in, but yet it's here in Scripture, and Lot, sure, is acting in a sexist way, And I think what is disturbing about the story is it doesn't appear Yahweh does anything at all. There's no word from God. There's no judgment from Yahweh on the actions of Lot. Is Yahweh turning his head a bit and ignoring a serious thing? What's happening in this story? Well, I want to pull some observation points that I think will help us all. First of all, The Bible never affirms Lot's choice as right behavior. Nowhere. If you walk through the pages of Scripture, you will never find what Lot did here being approved by Yahweh or anyone. As a matter of fact, Lot and his family are consistently viewed throughout Scripture as a negative example. And when you hear about Lot and his family and his wife and the choices that they made, 
they are consistently viewed as a negative example. They are never lifted up as, that's a great option. Protect the men, but give your daughters. That is never commended anywhere in scripture at all. Secondly, the angels do act in a supernatural way and keep Lot from doing what he planned. And this gives us a great clue that Yahweh did not want this to happen. Thirdly, the men of the city were punished for their behavior by Yahweh. They are struck with temporary blindness. And then I believe they perish when the cities are destroyed. And this helps us to understand Yahweh hates rape. Clearly, they are punished and destroyed, and he protected Lot's daughters, even though their own father was incapable. So what do we learn here? Yahweh, not sexist, but affirming and protective. Lot, sexist, and unable to protect his own daughters. But Yahweh comes to the rescue, and he is very affirming. This story is recorded here for us, so I believe we can get a great picture of how Yahweh affirms and protects women. Well, I want to share a good story from Scripture. Now, that's a bad example, but yet I think what we discover here, Yahweh, not sexist, he's affirming. Let me share a good story with you. And we do have these stories about women in the Old Testament under the blessing of Yahweh who did some extraordinary things. We have one example in Deborah, who was a judge. Over 3,200 years ago, God used her leadership to do some extraordinary things. One of the things you have to take into account when you read the Old Testament is you have to factor into interpretation the theocratic rule. Now, that's just kind of a theological way to say, how is God dealing and ruling over his people at this particular time? So we're thinking about context. During the times of the judges, the theocratic rule was that God would raise up a judge and they would be the political ruler of God's people. They would also be the the spiritual ruler of God's people as well. So they were like president and pope. That's what we find with the judges, political leaders and spiritual leaders. Some of the well-known judges are Gideon and Samson and Samuel. A lot of press is given to them. Not as much is recorded about Deborah. Again, over 3,200 years ago, she acted as the political leader of God's people and the spiritual leader as well. There are some fascinating things we read about Deborah, like they were engaged in battle at one point and the general refused, probably for reasons of fear, to step into battle. And so Deborah, as the leader, said, forget about you. Come on, boys, let's go to battle. And they did that. She also had a partner who took a hammer and a tent peg and destroyed another person who was causing all kinds of problems for Israel because nobody else would take it upon themselves. So these women were not messing around as they were leading God's people. Again, over 3,200 years ago, we see Yahweh doing some extraordinary things through her. Now here's what we find in Judges chapter 4. It says, Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth. That's quite a name, isn't it? I wonder if they nicknamed him Lappy. 
Deborah, the wife of Lappi, was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. So get the picture. Deborah, president and spiritual leader, people are coming to her for judgment. In addition to all of that, she wrote a great poem in Scripture. You find it in Judges chapter 5. I would encourage you to read through that. Beautiful words written by Deborah herself. So think about this. In our progressive country, whatever that word means, and I don't even know anymore. In our progressive country, we have yet to have a female president to date. Over 3,200 years ago, God established Deborah as spiritual leader and political leader. So from a historical perspective, who is more affirming of women? Yahweh. Yahweh, because women are made in his image. It's a great story for us. Three takeaways. Number one, women, you are image bearers of God. I hope you hear that and you understand that. Be affirmed with who you are and how God has made you in spite of what has happened to you or how you have been treated. No, you are made in the likeness and patterned after God himself. Secondly, men in our homes, in places of work, let's affirm what God affirms and treat all women with dignity and respect. I believe this is what Yahweh would demand And then thirdly, let's not forget, all people, all people matter to God. Back to the big idea. Your best spiritual year. We keep coming back to that. I want everybody to have your best spiritual year so you can indeed have your best year. So your best spiritual year, here's what it involves. It involves treating all people with respect, understanding that they are made in the image of God. Father, we are thankful for time to look at some interesting passages of Scripture. God, I'm thankful you don't hide the bad stories for us. Sometimes they are perplexing and they are hard to understand, but yet they are there for our learning. And we've looked at one bad story that I think points to you as being a God who is affirming and protective. And we're grateful for that and we honor you. God, I pray that you would help all of us, men and women, to just understand that we are made in your image. God, help us to affirm that in everyone we see. And God, where we live, work, and play, may we be individuals who honor your creation. God, help us to carry this thought with us throughout the week. All people, all people matter to you. And because they matter to you, they should matter to us. We shouldn't have a lower standard than you. So because all people matter to you, God, Help us to look at everyone, recognizing that they should matter to us as well. 
and let's give respect and dignity knowing that this is your creation. God, we want to just pause and thank you for your tremendous love for all of us. For all of us. God, especially I want to pray for the women in the room right now who have had terrible things perhaps said about them because of who they are. And maybe they've been mistreated in some way or they've been the victim of sexism or sexual misconduct. God, you see them, you know their hurt, and you hear their cries. I pray today that you would help them to fully understand how you see them as someone patterned after you and modeled after you, made in your image. May that just overwhelm them today. God, maybe there are some women here who've never been told how valuable they are and how beautiful they are. May they also just see and understand and be overwhelmed that you see them as image bearers of you. God, help us all to affirm what you affirm. We ask and we pray this. In the name of of Yahweh and affirming God. We pray it in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.